last week, uh, last week we really talked about uh, culture. And I was going to preach on something else, but then we talked about culture. And I felt led that we were supposed to go right back into that culture today. Uh, as I finished last week, I went, this is where I need to preach this message. And uh, we are designed, the church is designed to have a culture of power. To have a culture of power. And one of the things that we one of the things that we actually looked at last week is that is not the culture that the majority of the American church has designed and allowed to have happen. There's not been a culture of power. There's been a culture of, you know, whatever we can do to keep you here. Yeah. Right? And uh, it's been a culture of marketing. It's been a culture of coffee and donuts, which there's nothing wrong with coffee and donuts, but unless you use it as the reason why people come to church. Our job as believers, as Christians, is to go to church to grow up to do the work of ministry, as it says in Ephesians 4. So for us to step into a place where our culture is, we're going to entice you to be here, and we want to sell you on, on ourselves, that's a culture that will not work. That culture is eventually going to break down because you're actually designing a culture that will keep people there only as long as they're comfortable and only as long as they agree with everything that you say. The problem with that is God's a lot bigger than what we know right now. There's a lot more to Him. There's a lot more depth to Him. And the moment that you think that you, you know everything there is to know about God you're already messed up, right? <laughs> you're already in trouble because that means you're going to step into a place you're never going to go to a real church that's actually teaching and training where you're going to feel comfortable in the flesh, which means immediately you set yourself up for failure. And the church in America has really set itself up for failure because it's not created a culture of power, it's created a culture of sales. Okay, And what you find is you find pastors doing anything that will gain a lot of people and keep a lot of people, and that's not the number one mission of the church. Now, we should be believing God for a multitude. I believe it's Proverbs 14, 28 that says, in a multitude of people is a king's glory. So for us to just say, well, we just want to keep our small church forever, that's unbiblical and I would say ver you know, on the verge of sin for a lack of faith that you can, you can influence a large number of people. Remember, you know, a lot of people say, well, God's not just in, he's just not into numbers. Well, tell that to the parable of the talents guy, right? He was into numbers. He was into, he is into numbers, right? But here's the issue is he's, he's into fruit. He, but, but the issue is that if we just get wrapped up on fruit and we overlook the person, now we're in trouble, right? So if all I'm doing it is looking at, at the numbers, if all I'm doing is looking at the numbers, but I miss the person, right? Now that's where we mess up. It's the person. Remember when he said this? He said, look, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So man was not there to fulfill the numbers or the legalism of all the law. The law was made to serve man. And so it's the same way. A church was not made just to have numbers. 
A church was designed by Christ to serve mankind. But there's proper ways to serve mankind, and here's one of the things. You don't want to serve mankind by serving their corrupted flesh. And that means uh, you don't want to serve mankind by putting them in a position where the flesh that is corrupted by sin is happy. Doesn't that just make your flesh happy to be here? <laughs> you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to make a shirt. We've got to make the shirt. I mean, it, it, amen. And we're making a shirt that says, my flesh hates my church, you know. And that, doesn't that sound like a great marketing strategy, you know, like, oh, glory to God, my flesh hates my church. woo But think about this. Are you in a church where your corrupted flesh Are you actually in a church if your corrupted flesh is happy, is pleased, and comfortable? That's not a church. Because a church is actually submitting the flesh. And by nature, a corrupted flesh doesn't want to be submitted. So a good church is going to teach you how to stop thinking you're right and be comfortable about everything and agree with everything pastor says. You're there because you don't know everything there is to know about God. And, and if you got a good pastor, he's going to tell you stuff you've never heard before and your flesh doesn't want to go there. That's a good church and that's a good pastor. You know, uh, if you would, put up Hebrews 12, 11, please. One of my favorite verses since I found it and got some revelation on it. Hebrews 12, 11. It says, all discipline, not just some discipline, But all discipline for the moment seems to be sorrowful and even not joyful. All discipline, all discipline, not just a little bit, all discipline for the moment seems to our flesh, when you understand it, seems, Hebrews 12, 11, seems to be not joyful, to be sorrowful and even not joyful. But to those who give themselves to it, afterwards it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Is that right? Oh, go to the New American Standard. You know, we're... I know a lot of scriptures in KJV, but not that one. I know this one in New American. There we go. All discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, or they give themselves afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I want you to see this. Now, who does God discipline? If He loves you, He disciplines you. And then this verse says that every bit of discipline to our flesh seems to be sorrowful. That means God's going to do things constantly that your flesh is going to be like, "Eh, eh, I don't like it, I don't like it. All the time. All the time. Anybody ever experience that? Like when God actually comes, shows you some of his love, he's kind of correcting some of your mess, and and your flesh is like, oh, I love this. No, that's not the way it works. No, your flesh is like, no, I like this. I know y'all been there. All discipline. Not some discipline. Not every now and then discipline. All of it. See, what is this saying? My flesh hates a real church. That's what it's saying. 
My flesh is not going to like it. I don't like it. Well, praise God, you're not your flesh. You know, there's three parts of man, the spirit, the soul, and the body, or the flesh. The soul is the mind, will, and emotion, but the real you is that spirit person. And if you're born again, if you're born again, then your spirit man is lined up perfectly with God, and your spirit loves discipline. So the real you, and that's the real you. So for you to say, I love discipline. I know your brain goes, you know, I understand that. But your spirit really loves discipline if you're born again. Your flesh, on the other hand, hates it. But see, that's the issue. Which one's had more volume in your life? Your born again spirit man or your flesh? And so when I say my flesh hates my church, the question is, why does that bother you? Because we've had, we've had the volume turned up so much on the flesh that when we hear that, we're like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Because we've identified more with the corrupted flesh man than we have with the spirit man. But we're supposed to have in church a culture of power, and I'm going to show that to you right now. Now, one of the things, and I want us to get this as a church. I want us to understand this because, because if we don't understand this, here's what's going to happen. Number one, eventually, if you're in a real church, you're going to come up to a place, you know, God's told us to assemble and assemble all the more as the day dr- draws near. God's told us to assemble. So that's a co- direct commandment from God to get together, not watch online. Now, I'm, if you're, you know, you got to stay home one day and you watch online, praise God for technology, but that doesn't give us an excuse to stop assembling together. And you see this, this recent push of trying to get the church to stop assembling together. It's wicked. It's evil. It's evil. And, and they're still trying to do it. It's like, okay, the, I don't know if any of y'all uh, watched any of the Super Bowl. How many people were wearing masks? How many people couldn't assemble? But yet they're still arresting pastors in Canada for having church. There's more going on. You see what, I'm, you see what I mean? All right, now... So the Lord tells us to get together and to assemble. It's important for us to understand that that's his commandment. Now, our mind might not catch up with it. Our logic might not be there. But regardless, we have a command from God to do that. We have a command from God to do that. All right? Now, but here's the thing. Not everybody agrees with that. Not everybody sees it. That's the point. Is are we yielding to the things the Holy Spirit said, or are we yielding to what's comfortable in our logic? Now, that's just one example, but you can have others. And for example, you may go into a church and everybody stands there like this. I mean, they may make, make, here's the church and here's the steeple signs with their hands, and they all stand like this, and hum, and nobody. And then you may go to a church like this, and everybody's shouting and yelling. You may see somebody do a couple laps, you know. I mean, and then they pray, I mean, So there's all kinds of different churches. The issue is, what's of God and what's not? What is God commanding? And the issue is, it really doesn't matter what our flesh thinks. What really matters is, what does God think? And I know from the Word, and we're going to talk about it today, is we need to be in a culture of power. But the issue is this. 
If you come into a church that your flesh is not comfortable with and all the churches that you've ever gone to in your life have taken up a certain standard of trying to sell and market themselves and then you walk into a church that's not trying to sell and market yourself, then you're going to be uncomfortable. Because they're going to come against your flesh where many churches didn't come against your flesh. They're going to do things in the Holy Ghost and through the power of God which are going to be unexplainable, look foolish, and my flesh is going to go, you know, why is that person laughing? Why is that person, why is it that people are falling out? And we've seen that, you know, what Nicole said earlier, you generally are going to fall into one of three categories. You either love us, hate us, or you don't know what to think about us. That's something the Lord told us to say to help people be ready for what they're about to experience. Because what they're about to experience is a culture of power and a culture of heaven, but it's not a culture of the flesh. And, And then, but think about this now. First of all, it comes back to us. We walk into that culture. We're not used to seeing that culture. And now, properly, if we're going to do things biblically, then we would ask questions. We would ask questions. We would go to the Word. We would look at Scripture. And we would make sure, like, is this proper? I've watched people, when I start praying in tongues, grab their stuff and run out the door. You know? I've watched people, as soon as I start praying and people... Fall out, you know. As soon as that happens, people are like, okay, all right. You know, and and I watch this. The devil's done a good job of of his deception tactics, right? Because I I had a friend one time. He was so funny. I said, I said, you ought to come to church sometime. He said, yeah, I'd like that. Uh, He said, do you speak? He said, y'all speak in tongues, right? I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know. Used to, there was a time where I tried to hide that. I was like, well, you know, you know. No, we speak in tongues. We're Pentecostal. Why? Because the Bible told us to. It's pretty simple. It's actually pretty commanded. And it's a culture of power, which we'll see in a second. But he was like, he goes, Ugh. and I could tell as soon as I said we, pre- we prayed in tongues, he got uncomfortable. I was like, like, what is that? <laughs> he was like, you... He says, I need to ask you something. I said, I said, okay. He said, dumb. He said, uh, do y'all handle snakes? No. I was like, no, no. Why? Because that would be tempting God. That's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did when the devil tempted him to jump off of the temple. You know, people have taken that scripture out of context to prove how spiritual they are. Like, no, that's not what that scripture means. That scripture means that if they happen, like Paul in Acts 27, 28, when Paul happened to grab some stuff and the snake bit him, he just shook it off into the fire. What that scripture means, if I find, not that I'm tempting God, or like, ooh, look at what I can do, you know? I saw a meme the other day, and it was this big lion, you know, with a head like this, and it was this dude taking a picture. He said, if animals, if animals did memes, if animals did selfies, and, and the meme said, look, I'm about to eat this fool, blessed, hashtag blessed, right? Why would people tempt? Why would people tempt? 
Why would people tempt and do that? You know, there was a guy that was like, there was a guy that thought he was something. He said, look at this. I believe, I believe in the power of God. And he ran out into a bunch of lions to show, and he got mauled. It's like, don't, like, no. No. That's not what that verse is talking about. And that's not a culture of power. The culture of power is if you happen to find yourself in a place where evil's trying to trap you, you'll be protected if you'll put faith in God's protection. It's not playing with it. It's not, it's not jumping off the temple, which is what the devil tried to get Jesus to do. But see, so the devil's done his job to scare people away from what they really need, and that is the power of God. How many people have ever been in a situation where you didn't know what you needed? You didn't know what you needed, but you needed God, you needed Him now, and you need supernatural. You don't, like, I don't know what to do. That's when you need an all-powerful God and you need a culture of power, right? Just this week we talked about earlier, addiction being freed, liver, livers being healed, and uh, I wanted to say livers being healed, you know, liver being healed. Well, we, see, we saw this week a testimony of diabetes being gone since May. We saw Parkinson's disease go, go off of somebody this week. There's times where we need God to be God. And in that moment, you need to be walking in a culture of power, not a culture of the world. And not a culture of man-made religion. It needs to be a culture of power. But in order to walk in that culture of power, you have to establish that culture. I need a supernatural God. I need a powerful God. I don't need maybe, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I need God. I need God. Now, but here, here's the item with that. All right, now, you, you, we have a society that has been raised on, well, my church the best church. You know, how about this? I, you know, T-shirts, I love my church. That's good. I love your church too. God, Jesus loves the church and died for it. But the issue is, what they're really saying is, my church is the best church, come be a part of us. That's really what's happening. And early on, the Lord said, I want you to, to break that thought that our church is the best church. And so we started coming out. The Lord gave me a, a statement, and I would say it often, and I've been saying it more recently. We are not the best church. We are a part of the best church. Big difference. We're a part of the big, best church. Yeah. The best church is, is the church of the body of Christ. And we're a part of that. But there's, there's different churches for different reasons. Now, a lot of churches shouldn't be there. A lot of churches you're going to see continue to shut down. And God's, God's doing it because they're lukewarm churches. What's a lukewarm church look, look like? Generally one that moves by the flesh, that comforts the flesh. You're going to see the church that really remains is the one that has a culture of power, and this will continue until the end of days. You don't want to be in a church playing spiritual religious games. You want to be in a church that has manifestation. We'll look at that in just a second. I, eventually, I will get to my notes. But here's the thing is when you walk into a church and you've been sold a bill of goods, that church is a culture where I feel comfortable. You've already been deceived. 
Because God says He disciplines those that He loves, and, and if it's a church doing godly things, it's going to be bringing discipline and growth. That means your flesh is not going to like it. Our flesh is not going to like it. So the first thing is, if you know that you should be in a culture of power, when you feel that pressure on your flesh and that preacher speaking things that you, I don't know about that, you don't run. You hunger, you humble yourself, ask questions. I'll tell people when they come and visit, like, if you just come one day to Boomerang, you have not experienced Boomerang. Because who knows what will happen today? And who knows what will happen next week? The only person who knows is God. Because we don't. We might have a direction, but it rarely goes that direction. We know that we're right to go, but we just don't see everything like God does. We allow the Holy Ghost because He knows. You know, I've watched this so many times where I come out here, I got a message, I got notes, and I got all kinds of stuff, and the Lord goes, eh, you're not preaching that. Go over here. And we go off on what looks like a rabbit trail, and, and I'm sitting up here like, what in the world was that? And I get and I say bye to people on the way out the door, and all of a sudden on the way out the door, uh, somebody goes, somebody goes, you know what, preacher? That was exactly what I needed. I needed that today. What is that? That's a culture of power. That's, that's the wisdom and knowledge of God that's tapping right on what that person needed today. And generally it's not just for that person, it's for other people. So the first thing is, if you know that church is supposed to have a culture of power, then one of the things is when, when you hear something that crosses your belief system, you don't just pick up and run. You ask questions, you humble yourself, you get hungry. Like Acts 17, 11, it talks about the Bereans were more noble than them all because they would take the things that Paul said and they would go and search out the scriptures to see if they were true. But don't, watch this, don't, don't just search out the scriptures from your own bias. Bring somebody that knows. Like if you go to a church and, you know, because there may be other people that watch this. This is a type of message that needs to be preached across America, and I hope people get a hold of it. The issue is, you may, whatever church that you're at that's operating in a culture of power that crosses your comfort zone and crosses, you know, and moves into the discipline of your flesh, Go to that pastor and ask. Go, say, why do you preach this? Now, ultimately, he should bring you back to the Word and he should have a biblical excuse for that, a biblical reasoning for that. If he doesn't, don't go to that church. But if he does, then humble our flesh, submit our flesh to what the Word says. Of course, you can't take things out of context. You need the full counsel of the word. Many wrong doctrines and many cultures that don't have power have taken scriptures out of context and they're, they're taking one scripture and, and all of a sudden they take that one scripture and they form a whole doctrine on it. But there's scriptures over here that say the opposite of what they're thinking. They just used it in the wrong way. Like, like the snake scripture that I, that I mentioned earlier. They'll take one scripture and form a doctrine around it. No, we need the full counsel of scripture. We need the full counsel of this word. You don't just want to see it in one place. You want to see that context throughout the whole word and see that. And you want to have a minister in a place that understands that and can take you to those places. Now here's the other thing. If you have a culture of power and you're okay to sit there, 
You're all right to sit there and you're comfortable and you're being fed. Glory to God. But your friends probably ain't. <laughs> Anybody ever tried to bring a friend into a culture of power and they're like, ha! <laughs> like, and then they stop returning your text? And why would they do that? Because you might have learned about a culture of power, but they haven't learned about a culture of power because they've been sold the same bill of goods before, just like you were before, that church should be a place that makes me comfortable and my kids love it. That's not why you go to church. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, but now God has placed the members in the body, not my comfort. Not my agreement with the pastor. If I agree with everything the pastor says, everything, then he probably don't know too much. And he's definitely not growing you, which is the point of church. In other words, doesn't growth mean I learn things I didn't know before? That means there's going to be things that I thought one way, but growth says i got to learn something new, Right? So if you're constantly in a church where, where your flesh is comfortable and you never learn anything new and you agree with everything, probably not a good church, if it's a church at all. If it's a church at all. And we, this has been rampant in America. The issue is now, what we're finding is when you actually get a culture of heaven, you are so anti-culture in America you're so anti-culture that you are fighting like an uphill battle, but we can do it. We can do it and win. Our job is to bring the culture of heaven into the earth. And if God told us to do it, then we can do it. But here's, here's what I want you to see is, if you're receiving and you're accepting of being in a church with a culture of power, but then you try to bring your friends into a culture of power, and they're not, they don't have revelation of that, and they don't know the scriptures, nor do they care, then all of a sudden, you bring, you bring five, ten friends, and all of them, none of them stay at your church. That can be discouraging. And then, then the devil uses that, and then the devil goes, well, what's wrong with your church? Maybe nothing. Maybe it's the culture of the world and the culture of the American church that has sold a bill of goods. Look at us. We're the best church. We'll, we'll have you out of here in 59 minutes and 38 seconds. And your bottom will never get tired. What are, what are they selling themselves to? Who's being pleased? The Spirit? that wants to grow and be holy like God and grow in His power or the flesh? Which one is being fed in that environment? So no wonder people will run away from that. And the Bible says this directly. But see, if we don't have a revelation of this, then all of a sudden we can become dissatisfied. We can wonder. You know, I, I applaud all of you because you're still sitting here today. You had a chance to run already. I've already been on your flesh. I've already been on it. You're still sitting here. Good job. And don't think I'm going to let up. It's going to keep coming. And I'm not trying to make you irritated or your flesh, but I am trying to grow you. 
And I am trying to make you more like Christ. And like Ephesians says, build you up and grow you to the fullness of the stature of Christ, which means you're going to have to stop listening to the flesh and listen to the spirit, even when your flesh is acting like a spoiled teenager brat that it is. Ah, I don't want to be here. You're going to have to get really good at telling it no. No! And that's in the middle of a society that has been taught when you have a spoiled brat child to be like, oh, it'll be okay, come here. We've all been taught that, that that's right. It's not right, but that's what we've been taught. And then we grow up and our flesh is that and we're like, how dare he tell me something to change me? Oh, I I didn't say it, God did. That was Jesus. Like, what are we here for? Are we here to grow and change? Or are we here, we, we here to grow and change? Or are we here to, like, oh, I'm such a good person. I'm such a good, if you're such a good person, how come you got problems? Like, if it's working for you, why you need Jesus? Why don't you just save yourself? I told you. I told you. See, some people, they don't want to hear stuff like this because they've been raised in a community that keeps telling them how good their flesh is. Oh, you're, just, you're a winner. You're, just, you're so awesome. You deserve this. No, you're, you're messed up. And you need help. Just like I need help, I need God. I, I, I can't do this without God. I need His power. I need His help. Goodness knows. Ask Nicole. I need His help. Don't amen too loud, is it? Thank you. That's better. Can you see how the devil will, when things get so far away from the Lord, then the devil uses how different they are as an attack against the things of God. Here's the difference, though. Here's the difference. What's the fruit? What's the fruit? The difference? You look at this church over the last, what, five years? We've, we've had close to six, 7,000 souls that have committed to Christ. Not 100, not, not 60 or 70, six, 7,000 souls in Albemarle through the ministry here. And that's all the ones that we could count. There's ones we couldn't count. We have ministry literally all over the world. We've had diseases that doctors couldn't heal. Healed. In the last week. It happens all the time. Last year, we literally had somebody healed practically on average every week. Can we do that on our own? Like, I'm not carrying that by myself. Then who's at work? What's the fruit? What's the fruit? But see... If we don't carry and we don't continue a culture of the power of God, we're not talking about our own power. We're talking about the power of God. We're not talking about things we can do on our own. We're talking about His power, His love, and the manifestation of His love. What's the fruit? You go into most churches, is, you know, you'll hear like, well, we believe in healing, and God will do it when He wants to. But the issue is apparently God never wants to because healing never takes place in those churches. Why? No culture of belief in the power of God. 
No culture of actual real solutions coming to pass. This is supposed to be a culture of heaven. Turn to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. Now, years ago, I went to a place and uh, I went to a conference. And man, I walked into this conference. I walked into this conference and uh, I was just so impressed. The atmosphere that they had there was amazing. I mean, there was an expectation. It was like you walked in and it was like a buzz, just just buzzing with expectation. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. Oh, today's going to be awesome. I'm going to receive today. I'm going to get what I need today. God, I'm a minister to the Lord. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to worship Him. God's going to pour out on us. We're going to pour out on Him. I mean, it was just like awesome. And I was there all week, and it was like I was walking around like, whoo, whoo, glory, amen. You know, and it was like I just felt energized, right? Energized. And then, and I was pastoring, and this was in the old building. And, uh, hold on. I was pastoring, and I, we were in the old building, and I come back from this. My lips were dry. It was like not, I was trying to talk. It wasn't working right. And uh, so all of a sudden, I was pastor. I come back to this, to the congregation. And I walked in on Sunday morning. And I'm like, whoo, glory to God. And everybody, everybody else is like this. Morning, pastor. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. And man, the atmosphere was just such a stark contrast to what I'd just come out of. And I was like, I, I just want to go back. <laughs> I was like, Lord, just let me move there. Just let me move there. Yeah, it would be much better. And, and the Lord said, nope. And I was like, oh, I knew you were going to say that. Nope. He said, I want you to create that atmosphere in Albemarle. I want you to create a culture of power and expectation, and the love of God in Albemarle. And I was like, you know, just like any good pastor, you know, like, Lord, you, you do see the people I'm working with, right? <laughs> Had nothing to do with me, of course. It's the people you gave me. He said, yep. <laughs> and what I didn't know is I didn't know how to create that. My, my fear was, <laughs> how? What am I going to do? I have no idea. Now, what's really interesting is we just had Kickstart, and, and we had multiple pastors here, and I've already heard a couple of testimonies, and one of them was, Pastor, we were in this in Kickstart all week, and oh my goodness, what an atmosphere. And then I went home, and I looked the people in the eye, and they were like, uh. How you doing, Pastor? I was like, I know that feeling. <laughs> I know that. But what's interesting is, so for us, it's like a testimony because where we used to not have that culture and that expectation, it's now changed. That means that you can do it. And if you're going to change a city and you're going to change a region, think about this. What happens when a culture of power really from heaven, from God, really comes and sits in an area? Then that culture of power doesn't stop at these walls. 
that culture of power goes into the streets of the city and into the streets of the county. And all of a sudden, drug, drug addictions go down. ODs go down. All of a sudden, build, businesses are blessed. All of a sudden, the streets clean up. People have a skip in their step. Why? Because a people of God understand their role as a church that sets a spiritual rule in a city and in an area. And the Bible teaches us in, in Romans chapter 8 that literally the world is waiting for the children of God to learn who they are and bring the kingdom into their area. It says the earth yearns for the manifestation. That means something literally changes. We don't just talk about it. It literally changes. The earth yearns and groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. We're supposed to be carrying this. And what's beautiful about it is a culture of power doesn't just happen in this room. A culture of power happens in your heart. And all of a sudden, you're taking this culture of power and this expectation everywhere you go. And you walk into the, you walk in to see your customer. Your customers come in the, and all of a sudden, you, you say, they say, how are you doing? I was like, I'm doing great. And you might not tell them this right off the bat, but you may. Depends. Because, but what you're thinking on the inside is, because God is so good. He's so mighty. Glory to God. I mean, you're carrying it with you. It gets in you. It becomes your DNA. It's a, it's a culture and a kingdom of hope. Like real hope, not just luck. And you're carrying it with you. And somebody goes, oh, what are we going to do? And, and it comes up from your spirit because you are actually operating in a heavenly culture. And from your spirit, they go, I don't know what we're going to do. From your spirit, it goes, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to work out. And, and many of us have wanted to be that person. And we might have had moments where we were that person. But it needs to become who we are. It's going to work out. Like if you come to me with problems as a pastor, one of the first things that's going to happen, that's going to come out of my mouth is, it's going to be all right. And my number one goal is to get you to believe that. Because God says he's always working everything to triumph if we'll take him by the hand. Right? He, he is always leading us to triumph in Christ. And so the, you can, how many people have ever had situations you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work out. And I said, it's going to be all right. And you go on down the road and it worked out. Yeah. How many people? Raise your hand. You've seen it. See? 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 Look at that. But that comes from a culture of power. See, but it can't just be in me. It can't just be in me. It's got to get in all of us. And then all of a sudden we have, we're carrying a culture that can change an area. That can change an area. A church needs to be a culture of power. Look at this. Uh, listen. A kingdom manifesting. Matthew 6.10. Look at the will of God. You'll notice that the same will is the same thing that's mentioned at the creation of the earth. It's mentioned to Adam. When, uh, when he talks to Noah, it's mentioned to Noah. The same basic uh, context is mentioned to Abraham. All of this is passed down through all time. Look at this. And then Jesus said it to every believer right here. Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom, he says, when you pray to God, pray this way. 
And verse 10 says, pray this, and we should be praying in faith. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is heaven a culture of power? Is heaven a culture of power? Well, there's no sickness there. There's no lack. There's no problems there. It's a culture of God's solution, a manifest, a place of His manifestation. It is a culture of power. So when He says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, He's showing you, I want a culture of power to be on the earth surrounding you, believers, surrounding you, a culture of my power and my love and my will being done. I want it there. Notice, I love the word kingdom, and just think of this, a kingdom is the king's domain. In other words, this is where a king has dominion. This is where a king has rule. And what we want is for our king, Jesus, to have rule in our lives. And if he has rule, then his power, who he is, is manifested in us. Who he is, is manifested in us. The king's rule, the king's domain. And and this is very important because every time you read the word kingdom, you should think, Jesus, you are Lord of my house. You are Lord of my home. You are Lord of this church. You are Lord of my car. You are Lord of my business. You are Lord of my favor. You are Lord of my abundance. Your rule, let your will be done. And your will, and what is he withholding from us? Nothing. Nothing. He says, I am not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. And if you've accepted Jesus, you've been made righteous. That's rightly. And now if we'll just employ right living, empowered by His righteousness that He gave us, we can walk and He won't hold any good thing back. Not one. Not one. That's a culture of power. That's a culture of the power of the king having dominion in our lives. In other words, sickness tries to come up and get in your life and, and the dominion of the king says, uh-huh, no, no fiery darts. No fiery darts. Every weapon formed against you will not prosper. And many times we don't have that level of protection because we have not been living in a culture of his power. We've been living in a culture of worldly logic and worldly thinking. And we might even call it and stamp it with a God stamp, but God wasn't in it. That culture of power, here's the thing about a culture of power, it will challenge your flesh. It will challenge your thinking. It will cause you to make a choice. I love in Revelation where it talks about be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm or I'll spit you, I'll throw you up out of my mouth. Be hot or be cold. The Lord gave me years ago the idea of like bath water. Have you ever turned it all the way hot and like it's piping, piping hot and all of a sudden you you go to get in like it's a normal bath and and it's like, ha! And it feels like like, stuff running all over your feet and you got to make a decision. Do I actually want to sink? myself down all the way in this bathwater. It makes you make a choice and a decision. A culture of God's power is on fire with God. And that's why you see people that don't easily sit down 
and that's okay. The question is, should we then exit God's culture of power because some people's flesh is not okay with it? We'll we'll discuss that here in just a second. Look at this. Let's go uh, to Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. Luke 17, 21. One of the things that we've wondered is, is the kingdom of God among us now? Because there's been a lot of bad doctrine that says, there's been a lot of bad doctrine that basically says, well, we're just going to go through it while we're here on this earth. And this is what a lot of people have problems with when they come into a culture of power, is because the culture of power is saying, there's an answer for you now, but they've grown up all of their life thinking the answer is only going to come when we die and go to heaven. And they might not know words to that, but on the inside, that's their belief. And then when they walk into a culture of power, all of a sudden they go, no, I, this, they're, they're saying they're taking too much from the word. No, we're actually saying exactly what the word says. It's just, it's just not what you knew. But doesn't the Bible say my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge? Doesn't the Bible say, as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world? In this world, not just the world to come. Doesn't the Bible say, the scripture we just read, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? On earth, right? Doesn't the Bible say in Psalms, he prepares a table before me? Where? Where? In the presence of my enemies. I don't have any enemies in heaven. I don't have them there. In the presence. It's now. And and so Jesus, of course, backed this up. In Luke 17, 20 and 21, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Now think about this. See, we've got this idea of kingdom being only like this set up with boundaries. It's, it's got boundaries. But when you think about the kingdom being the domain of the king, and watch this, everywhere we go, I can carry the domain of the king with me. I can carry the domain of the king. I'm, I'm thinking about two uh, instances right now. One time I was in the bank and a guy came up and he was asking me questions. I was like, we got anointing right now. We got power right now. Put your hands out. And I prayed. And he, I said, tell me when you feel the power of God. Like, we don't have to be in church. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning. There's a culture of power, a kingdom that we carry with us everywhere. I, I started praying for him. The power of God hit his hand. He was like, ha! Huh! I was like, you can have that too. Another day, not, not long after that, I was at a restaurant talking to another minister. And we were talking about this. And he was talking to me about something. And I realized he needed a revelation of the culture of power. I did the same thing. I said, tell me when you feel the power of God flowing into you. And, and he felt it. He started crying. Started crying because he felt the power of God. That's a culture of power. That makes a change. It makes people make a decision. All right, they might not jump all the way in right then, but it plants a seed and our job is to plant those seeds without boil, you know, bowling over people, without steamrolling them. So a lot of times when people have a culture of power, they're like, this is right, I know it's right, so I'm just going to steamroll everybody around me. No, take time with those people. Remember, it's not just about the numbers, it's about the people. So I can be right in a subject, but that doesn't mean I steamroll them. But I am going to challenge them and bring them to the place where they have to decide make a decision. 
Alright, so now with the kingdom of God, not just thinking about a kingdom set up by boundaries like a, a physical kingdom. Look at this. Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. In other words, he, he, what he's saying is, you don't detect God's kingdom by boundaries, by geography. That's what he's saying. You don't detect it like that. You're, you're thinking that there's going to be like a flag planted somewhere and a capital. He said, that's not the way this kingdom works. That's not the way this kingdom works. He says, you won't be able to say, here it is, or over there is the kingdom. He said, but the kingdom of God is already among you. It's already among you. So that's in the New Living. In, in uh, the King James, it says the kingdom of God's already within you. It's, it's here. It's in you. You're carrying it. It's released now. It's released now. Matthew 12, 28 says, and Jesus defines it like this. He says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, a culture of power, a domain of the king has been released. Well, that same kingdom that Jesus released the day that he was baptized. Remember, the he, he prayed and heavens opened. And the power of God, the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove descended upon him. That day, the heavens were open and the kingdom of God was released into the earth. And from that day, power was released. There was a culture of power released. That culture of power was never meant to diminish. And for a while, for several centuries, the devil didn't know what to do it, do with it. He tried to kill the Christians. He tried to kill this culture of power. He tried to wipe them out. The more Christians that he martyred, the stronger it got. So much so... That, that Rome decided, their leader decided, we can't beat this thing. Might as well join them. And that's what slowed it down. Because in that moment that they made Christianity the religion of Rome, it brought in a mixture. And a house divided by itself, it cannot stand. When it's divided against itself, it cannot stand. And so they made every, basically what they made was everybody a Christian. This is who we are. We're all Christians. And at that moment, that's when it actually weakened and it became what we've come to know of it today. But it's designed to be a kingdom of power. Now, here's the thing, though. Now, watch this. But, but up until just a couple hundred years ago, Nobody could even read and write for the most part. There were a few here and there, but most of the world was illiterate. And because it had become, Christianity had become a national religion, and everybody was a Christian, they then took control of it. And part of the rules were you can't read this Bible. You can't read this Bible if you don't have a priest present. Don't even try. You can't understand it. Don't read it. Well, then what happened? You had a whole group of people whose flesh didn't want to read the Bible anyway, so they just went along with it for the most part. But then all of a sudden you had literacy come up and people started reading this Bible. What happens when you start reading the Word? You start getting revelation. Things start popping because that word is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it started cutting off this religion here and there. And before you know it, you had a Protestant Reformation. 
Before you know it, you started having revival in the church. And then we move into uh, the 1900s. And the 1900s, people had gotten in here. They had found that this was supposed to be a culture of power. And all of a sudden, you had Azusa Street pop up. And the Holy Ghost was poured out. And then there swept a healing revival across the nation. And tent revival. And the power of God. And the charismatic movement. And you saw the power because people got in the Word and saw what God wanted again and they started but by this time there's such a culture of non-power these were the misfits these were the outcast and in a way we still fit in that category but God says this and he's already prophesied it and and who who here feels like we are closer to the end of the age than ever before (laughs) have you seen some funny signs And he says, at the end of time, he's coming back for a glorious church. Now, do you know what a glorious church is? A glorious church is a church full of his glory. And he defines his glory like this. He said, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. He said, I will. He said, basically, I will. And then he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. Well, what is all his goodness? It's every bit of who he is. It's all of his power. A glorious church is walking in the fullness of God's goodness. The fullness of it. The fullness. And so you start to see that the Lord is moving his church towards a culture of power. The issue is, are you going to be a part of it or not? But you've got to see that this is what God is doing. This is what he's always wanted. And it's right, even if you feel like a misfit, the issue is God's moving this direction if you know your Bible. The question is, who's going to be a part of what he's doing? And it doesn't matter if people misunderstand. You know, people have talked bad about me and they've seen me. And, you know, I'll watch. I'll go to certain pastor's meetings, everybody. And they're like, like, oh, oh, you're the pastor of Boomerang. Oh, okay, all right. I've seen it for so long now, I just got laugh. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the pastor of Boomerang. Tongues, power, healing, manifest, no snakes. You know, and yeah, yeah. You're that weird church. If that's your definition, okay. I don't think it's weird to God, though. No, actually, when he came down in his church, the whole, the whole sanctuary filled with smoke, the train of his robe filled this te- temple, and it knocked all the people out. Every one of them, ministers, you know, like this. And, and our brain would go, that's out of order. That's out of line. No, it's a culture of God's power. It was perfectly in order. Perfectly in order. You want to see another place of God's perfect order? Before the devil had a chance to mess it up. Read Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost fills the room. There's a sound. It shakes the whole place. There's a sound that they heard all over the city of Jerusalem. I I don't know what that was, but it was a mighty rushing wind. And all of a sudden, people come out like, what was that? What was that? The other day there was a fire uh, over here on the other side of town. I figured out what that was, by the way. And uh, I was talking to Buddy. I was like, what is that? He says, I may go, I may go and uh, track it down. I said, do that. Go find out. Text me. Let me know. I want to know what that... You know, you see something like that. Everybody's like, what is that? That's a big fire. 
And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden they came up and they're all speaking in tongues. All these guys filled with the Holy Ghost. They're, they're all, like not just one, they're all out loud. And there's at least 20 of them, you know, walking around. There's 120 in the upper room. you got all these different people. They're hearing that translation about the glorious things of God and all these different people. And see, that's God's normal before the devil got in there to mess it up. Before he got in there to mess it up. To us it looks like disorder, but it was a culture of power. It's a culture of power. We got to get over our little comfort zones. We got to get over that. Okay. The kingdom manifesting. Mark, think about this. Culture of power. Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. Touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. No, don't bother the master. He's too busy. He's too busy. And all of a sudden he says this. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, permit the children to come to me and don't hinder them. For the kingdom, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The domain of the king belongs to children. And we're not just talking about age, children of a child's age in the flesh. We're talking about people that will believe on God like a child. You know, will a child believe foolish things? He sure will. And that's not good if you're just believing man. But if we look in that Bible and we see the things of God, that look foolish to an adult mind. Look foolish to an adult mind. But as a child, we go, but God, you're so good. If it's you, it can't be wrong, even though my brain doesn't understand it. Lord, I just receive what you say. That you're always leading me to triumph in Christ. That on that cross, you bore my sins and my sicknesses. Every one of them. Every one of them. I just believe you like a child. Then you will have the domain of the king you will have the kingdom that's already released. This is how we step into it. Lord, I trust you. I believe you. You know, you, you take those super kids back there and you go tell them to pray over somebody. That person's getting healed. Because they believe. They'll believe. What looks foolish to you, you're like, oh man, this is a bad doctor's report. And you start weighing. As an adult, we start weighing out the logic. Well, how big is this one? This is a big miracle. To a kid, it's not a big miracle. To a kid, it's just like God. Oh, yeah, God. That's a culture of power. See, if we'll become more like that and stop trying to be so logical with what the world's taught us to be and trust what God said more than what the world's taught us to, we'll walk in that too. We'll walk in that culture of power. But what would cause people to just run from it? Because they get so logical and they, and they start going after and listening to a corrupted world instead of listening to a father that loves them with an everlasting love. I told you the story about the time when the evangelist came to the church and I was like 11 or 12 years old. I was like, oh, he can pray that way. I can pray that way too. So I took the kids to the back room and I prayed and the miracle happened. I, and then I wasn't like, I, I didn't go out to the foyer or go out to the sanctuary and go, hey, guess what? One of the kids, they just got healed. Woohoo! No, I, I didn't tell anybody. 
Why? Because I was like, yeah. Because that's the way a kid thinks. Well, yeah, of course God would do it. I didn't tell anybody that the kid got healed. I think I probably told mom and dad that night, but I didn't announce it to anybody because I was like, yeah, of course he got healed. I prayed, I believed, and God said he would do it. God said he's a healer. And the kid got healed. We got to become as a child. He said this, and then he then then watch this. I want I want to give you this. Because if you'll just become like a, a child, look at look at verse 16. He said, if they don't become like a child and have the faith and receive the kingdom like a child, they won't enter it. He said, but verse 16, and then he took those kids in his arms and he just began blessing them, laying his hands on them. I don't like it when they lay hands on people. Well, Jesus did it, so you need to tell him about it. Tell him he's wrong. Oh, I don't like that. That doesn't mean you. No, I'm his body. He he told me, actually, when the six brought up in James 5, lay hands on them. Well, I don't like it. It's because you've never seen it done right. You've not seen a culture of power. That's why. It crosses your comfort zone. But Jesus did it. It's biblical. Well, I don't like it when they fall out. Well, they fell out when his presence moved in. But I don't like it. I don't understand it. Well, that's a different situation. But that doesn't mean it's not right just because you don't understand it. See, but we've got to move into a culture of power. All right, so then he says, then he says this. He took these kids in his hands and he just started blessing them, laying his hands on them, blessing them. When you go to God, you don't have to fear him. Just go like a child. Oh, Lord, I need you. And what are you going to find? You're going to find your loving father. You're going to find Jesus by the Holy Ghost taking you in his arms, helping you out, blessing you. That's who he is. That's who he is. Then look at this. All right, so we see this kingdom's already come. We see that the kingdom of God is for us. He says in Luke 19, 13, he he says, I want you to do that kingdom business then. This is a parable, and one of the things we see here is Luke 19, 13. He called to his ten servants, and he delivered them ten pounds, and he said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy. The King James says, Occupy till I come. In the New American it says, Do business with this until I come back. And so what he says is, I'm going to give you the tools. I'm going to give you the talents. I'm going to give you a culture of power, a kingdom of power. He says, take what I've given you and do kingdom business. The principle is, do the business of the kingdom with this until I come back. It's not something we're supposed to leave on the table. We're supposed to see it, receive it, and do business with it. See it. Okay, get revelation of it. Receive it for yourself and do business with it. We are in God's business. We are in a heavenly business, a kingdom business. And that kingdom business is a culture of power. We're supposed to grow in it. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now concerning spirituals, I would not have you ignorant. Many churches, many pastors, including myself, have been ignorant in the, in the things of the Spirit. And it's time for that to change. It is a business of power. Hebrews 6.12, watch this. I want you to see this now. 
Because God actually is very specific. If churches and leaders don't carry a culture of power, he says, don't follow them. What? That means if you don't have manifestations of God's love and power in a church, you shouldn't be going to that church. Point blank. Look at this. Hebrews 6.12. That you not be slothful. Don't be lazy. See, a lot of times in these areas, we've been lazy and we haven't wanted to get down to what the Bible actually says and dig in like those Bereans did that were more noble. than We haven't wanted to. We've been lazy with these things. We've been lazy about growing in spiritual things. That's been the problem. Pastors have been lazy because it's like, man, if I start talking about a culture of power, I might lose everybody. Yeah, you might. That's exactly what I faced some years ago. I was like, Lord, we're doing good, but I can tell something's off. And basically the answer was, he said, you're not carrying the power on the level of heaven. And you need to do it. And as soon as I said, I said, okay, not knowing the outcome. But as soon as I said, okay, and we started moving in that stuff, half the church left. I was like, eeh. But I couldn't deny what I'd seen in the Word. It was true. And the Lord said, He said, when you start doing that, people are going to come to a decision point. And some people aren't ready because they've been raised in a culture without power. They've been raised in a culture without manifestation. And so when they actually see the real coming to pass, they've been taught that it's fake. They've been taught that it's wrong. They've been taught that it's a demon. Remember even the Pharisees said that about Jesus? He cast out demons by Beelzebub. Beelzebub. He cast out demons by the devil. Even Jesus was accused of that. So the devil's been using the same deception for how many years now? And so we started moving into that. People left. And I had to decide as a pastor, am I going to be lazy and just go back to what was easy on my flesh? On my flesh? Or am I going to learn more about this? Study this out. Make sure I'm right. I dug into the Word. Don't be slothful. Watch, Watch the rest of this. Don't be slothful, but be followers of them who? In other words... There's some criteria for who you follow. Be followers of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. They don't just talk about the promises in the sweet by and by. They're inheriting them on a regular basis. Parkinson's, fibromyalgia, diabetes, addictions, souls being one, disciples being made. Words of wisdom, words of revelation, words of knowledge, the power of God, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, manifestations of the power of the kingdom of God and His love. That's what we're seeing. Even in His increase and His provision, who who He is. Last year, over a million dollars of supernatural increase in this body and its partners. Over a million dollars. That doesn't happen. That's not normal. But at the beginning of the year, the Lord said, I'm giving you a word. This is your year of increase. And we saw it instantaneously started happening. Instantaneously. 
See, that's manifestation. Follow those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. They're in faith, they're in patience, and they're inheriting. If they're not inheriting the promises of God, the, what God has said in here, the Bible says, don't follow them. Don't follow them. That definitely means don't go to their church. It's the only, I, I really never want to tell people to leave a church because I believe God believes in covenant. But biblically, I can't say that about a church that doesn't have power. Biblically, I actually have to tell them, biblically, if they're not seeing manifestation, don't follow them. I want you to understand, as soon as I make that statement, there's a little bit of pressure on me. Because if I become the person that all of a sudden stops inheriting, i got to tell them, don't follow me either. So now I'm under pressure. I don't have to be, but I'm under pressure to have some power and a culture of power and a manifestation of power. That means i got to walk right and I got to believe right and I got to preach right or else I'm telling people go that's the commitment that I've made as a pastor I made a commitment we're going after a culture of power and I believe by faith we will see a culture of power and that's why you can stay and follow and should not you know there's other churches that do that we just happen to be one but if a church isn't doing that Is it doing a biblical church what a biblical church should? No. And I don't mind that. Today, used to, I had a problem with that. I don't mind that today. That a church not walking in power, not walking in a culture of power, is not performing its duties as a church, and neither is that pastor. And that's why he says, don't be slothful, don't be lazy. Because I'm going to tell you, it took me getting off my behonkus to go after these things. To have that culture. He says, 2 Timothy, here, you want a second witness, not just one scripture? 2 Timothy 3 5. We have a business. Say this with me. Say, our business is a culture of power. Our business. 2 Timothy 3 5 says, in the last days, there will be, there will be men. And verse 5 says, holding to a form of godliness. Just because they have church on their name doesn't mean they're acting like one. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Avoid them. Do you understand that denied its power doesn't mean that you stand up and say, I don't believe that God works that way. Although some ministers are saying that. I don't believe God works that way today. They've denied its power outright with their... Denying its power is not just speaking that. Denying its power is never having any. Because God's at the ready, releasing His power, and in order for His power not to flow, like even when I didn't know anything about faith, I'd pray for people every now and then they'd still get healed. God's at the ready. His, he has got positive pressure of His healing power. And in order for me to deny its power, if God's at the ready and there's like always His power at the ready, you flip the switch, the light turns on. That means I've got to say, no, I'm not flipping that switch. I'm denying it. So if I never have any fruit of power, that's a denial of His power because His power is who He is. That's who He is. 2 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. Why is this important? He says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, 
But, in other words, I didn't just get up here and do mic drop moments and things you can tweet. Like, there might be some of that stuff. But if all I did is craft a message, you know, basically, if you look at my notes, it's just scripture. All the stuff that's in between, that stuff the Holy Spirit's given me on, it's not a planned thing. It's not like I don't have three points in a poem so it makes it sound good to your ears, trying to craft the perfect words for your ears. Many ministers, the majority of ministers, that's what they do. Even spirit-filled ministers. No, they're not led by the Holy Ghost. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost. There's nothing wrong with notes, but we need to be led by the Holy Ghost. And there's nothing wrong with thinking through and meditating through things, but you need to be willing, even if you've got a great mic drop moment, to leave it on the paper. Leave it on the paper. He says this, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. In other words, they weren't crafted to sound good to a logical mind. They were crafted, if you understand the context of the word, preaching is crafted by the Holy Ghost to communicate with our spirit, not our logical mind. We've we've fallen for the deception that a good message is a logical one. No, a good message is a spiritual one. Big difference. He said, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Why? So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In other words, I don't want to get up here and just give you convincing words because do you know that there's men of the world that don't know Jesus at all that can craft a message that sounds great and they can come up with stuff that people will believe and people will latch on to. They'll come up with things and people will follow them and they'll fall into this a false religion even because people can craft words. He said, I don't want, the Holy Spirit said, I don't want people's faith based on that. I want it based on the culture of power that accompanies the message and proves it. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Power and the Holy Ghost and conviction. Just as you know what kind, of men, uh, what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. This is who we are. We're not just talking about it. The other day we had Kickstart. Uh, Kickstart was so good. And Brother Tracy preached almost every night. And, and if you hear Brother Tracy, isn't it a powerful message? Isn't it such a powerful message? Uh, it's exciting, it's powerful and everything. And then on Thursday night, he tapped me on the shoulder and was like, okay, now you go preach. Great. <laughs> awesome. And, but the Lord had given me a word. And it was powerful too. And I was ready to get up here and preach it. And preach it. And then I got up here. Oh man, did we get a good testimony back we got We'll have to share it with you later about that night. But here's the thing. I, I got up there, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, I don't want you preaching this like this. He said, I want you to minister this, and it's probably going to be more maintenance, and it's not going to be as much rah-rah 
and preaching as it is teaching and ministering my love to people. It's not going to be as exciting as his has been. And I was like, uh, like, what are the people going to think? Well, I'm not supposed to be thinking that anyway. I'm not supposed to be moved by that, but I'm supposed to be obedient to the Lord. So I get up here and I preach and I'm like, man, this is not like Brother Tracy. You know, I'm in the middle of preaching thinking this is not as exciting as his, you know, and everything. And then I gave the altar call. Let, let me read this verse again. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And when I gave the altar call, the conviction of the Holy Ghost was on people. They were just crying. The altar filled, and I went, oh my goodness, look at this. Like that was, you see, preaching doesn't just have to be exciting. It just needs to come with conviction, and the power of God has to be present. And that power was present in that moment as a conviction, and that's power too. It's a conviction of it. Matter of fact, the testimony that we got back, there was a young man, young man, in that service, he had been he had been in some trouble, and uh, and he had been going to church, but he hadn't given his life yet. And the testimony we got back this week was because after the service, after the service, he got born again. And the and the testimony, and we prayed for him right back here. And the testimony came in this week, and it, and it said he he got really born again, like he's on fire. You know, I was like, glory to God. That's the power of God. Even though it didn't look spectacular and exciting, there was a power in it and a conviction of, of God's power. 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says this, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. But in power. The kingdom of God consists in power. Have you seen enough scriptures yet to know that this kingdom is a culture of power and we're not up just to preach words that everybody amens? Or everybody feels good about. No, we need a culture of power. But then here's the rub. Here's the rub. And I'm telling us all of this because God's taken this church to a place. And I want you to see it. I want you to get vision on it. He's taken this church right now to a place that if we don't understand this culture of power and how to operate in it, then we're going to be in trouble. All right, now watch this. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the preaching of the cross, which is a preaching of the culture of power, is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And what that tells us right there is, if people don't know Jesus or they've not seen it before, if they're immature in the culture of power, this preaching of power is foolish. It doesn't make sense. There's multiple scriptures I could show you where the world thinks this preaching is crazy. The world says, that doesn't even make sense to me. See, the issue is because we've made logic the key and words and convincing words and that makes a good message, which the Bible says doesn't make a good message. The issue is our brain may or may not wrap itself around those words, but our spirit man, the real us, can receive everything God's saying. Whether, whether our brain understands it or not. So this culture of power and this preaching actually releases a conviction that brings 
It's about the power for people to get saved while their brain is going, I don't understand it. But without having a culture of power, there's no power for them to be saved. So I can either talk to an unbeliever and say, and try to talk them all into it and get their brain to logically receive it, but then I'm in convincing words of man's wisdom. But there's no power to save. Or I can preach and have a culture of power and all of a sudden the power of that conviction can grab them and there's power to be saved. So which one is right? Convincing words of man's wisdom or a powerful message that looks foolishness? Can you see from the Bible it's very clear that we should have a culture of power instead of a culture of logic. I'm not saying we don't have a brain for no reason. I'm saying we put a priority on it when our spirit and the power of God should be the priority. That, and then the spirit will cause us to know what we need to know. That's another teaching. But the issue is, and the Bible shows that. So here's the, here's the thing. In order to get, are we called to win souls and make disciples? Can we get out of that? Has it stopped? Can we win souls the proper way and make disciples by logic? So now we're, at, we're between a rock and a hard place, if you, if you want to classify it, because I'm going to preach something that's foolishness to the people that need to get the message. The people that need to get the message are not going to understand it. But if I preach a culture of power and I have the manifestation of God, their brain's going to be like, I don't get that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But if I preach the message that makes sense to them and makes them feel good and gets out within an hour, their flesh will like it, but their spirit is not going to get saved. There's no power to save. This has actually been a challenge that's faced the church from the beginning, but God has a solution. God has a solution. But the biggest thing is, as a church, we have to understand this point, that God's kingdom is a culture of power. And that culture of power... Think about this. If somebody really wants God and wants a solution, they will show up. And they will sit even when their flesh is uncomfortable, because, Lord, I want you more than I want my comfort. That culture of power is like a, a gateway that they have to find the lock. They have to learn how to unlock it to step in there. Lord, I want your power. Okay, then you're going to have to put your flesh down, and you're going to have to choose me. And that culture of power, it becomes this thing that kind of filters out who actually wants God for God or who wants God because it feels good to their flesh. It becomes a filter. It becomes, it becomes something that makes us make a choice. And that's why he said to the church, be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm because a lukewarm church is going to get spewed out. So a church that sits there and makes everybody comfortable, everybody's going to feel like they're born again, but then they're going to find out when they get to heaven, Lord, Lord, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And they're spewed out of his mouth. 
Because you were sitting in a church that had no culture of power to save. I'm not saying that nobody gets saved there, that the Holy Ghost can move on power even if that preacher's not. But the numbers are going to be way down compared to a church with a culture of power where the person has to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm going after you. I need you more than I need my comfort. I need you more than logic. Lord, i got to have you. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need your help. That's why he talks about Matthew 5. He says, you know, those that are poor in spirit, what they recognize is, in my spirit, man, without you, I'm, I'm destitute. I've got to have you. I've got to have you. And so over the years now, what's great about Boomerang is we've had the, the blessing of having some years of walking in this and seeing some of the results. Because my thought is, you know, as soon as we moved, I knew that people would leave as soon as we started moving into a culture of power. I knew that people would leave. But I also knew that God would send the hungry people. I knew that God would send the hungry people. You're proof of that. You're hungry. You're here. You're proof of it. I knew that. But I thought that there would be more. (laughs) I thought more people would show up. I thought more people would be hungry. And you you think about that. So the issue is we find out that we cannot compromise the culture of power, the culture of the Holy Spirit in our services, or else there won't be power present to save. But if it's foolishness, it will also not be comfortable to people who are immature in that or they're growing. So why would people come to a service in a culture of power that doesn't make sense to them? Why would they do that? In order to come to a service like that, I've listed out just five reasons why they would. Number one, they would have to humble themselves. Lord, I I humble myself to you. They would have to be hungry. Lord, I'm hungry for you. Lord, I just yield to you as humble. I'm hungry for you. i got to have you. That would draw them to a service like that. But the issue is hungry and humble people for the things of God, they're generally born again and a disciple. But we're not called just to, to reach the people that are already disciples we're called to reach a world that doesn't know Jesus. So that's, we're not talking. Yeah, there might be one or two, but the majority of people, are, that's not going to be them. So if somebody's humble, they'll come and yield to a culture of power. If they're hungry, they'll yield to a culture of power. But these people are already disciples, and we have a mission to go reach the lost. So that's not who we're talking about. The third thing is, they just want to see the power of God. Sometimes the world is like, man, somebody got healed of Parkinson's up there. They got healed of diabetes. I want to go see what's going on there. They just want to see the show. You know, people fell down under the power of God. God's moving up there. Let me go see that. (laughs) And so they'll come see the show. But the thing is, they'll come for a month or two. They've seen the show. Then they're like, oh, okay, I get what that is. And will they stay? If they just want to see the power of God, will they stay? No, they'll go away. And we've seen that over the years. People come in, they'll be like, oh, okay, all right, all right, see y'all later. 
Because they're not humble and they're not hungry and, and they don't even know if it's biblical. And then, here's the, other, here's the other reason. They'll come because they need a solution. So let's say they have a, they have a sickness or a disease and we watch it. Or they, they're financially destitute and they need provision in their life. So they'll say, go to that church, you'll get healed. Go to that church, you'll, your finances will get on track. Go to that church. And so they'll come in, they'll get their, their solution and then as soon as they get their solution, their reason for being here is gone. They're here because they needed a solution. Now I got the solution. They should say, they should think, what other solutions can I have? But the issue is, in this culture and in this society, that's not been the way we've been taught to think. And so as soon as they get their solution, they're like, thanks, peace. I appreciate it. And so you can see that none of these things builds the church. None of these things grows the disciples and makes disciples. Because you're expecting an immature or a worldly person to think like God and become that disciple. So then, why would people come, cross the line of their comfort, sit here while their flesh is uncomfortable to grow? Why would they do that? There may be other answers, but the biggest one that I know is this. They have family here. That the church becomes a family. They'll come to watch it burn, but only for a period of time. They'll come to get a solution, but only for a period of time. They'll come because they're hungry, but if that's the case, we didn't win them. They were already won. They'll come because they're humble, but if that's the case, we didn't win them. They were already won. So how do we as a church get a world, and especially in America in this time, to come into a culture of power when their flesh doesn't want to be there? And the answer is, they got to have family. They got to have family. They got to have people that will love on them and they'll be loved. They got to feel the family of God. How many people stayed here when you first came because you felt like people loved you? Raise your hand. Felt like people loved you. Yeah. Felt like it. Like I don't know everything that's going on at that church. But I felt like it was family. Now, see, the issue is Sunday morning is not really designed to be family. It's designed to get the word into you. And one of the places it is designed to be family is life group. Life group is family. And even by design, we'll say Sunday morning, 70% word, 30% family. But life group, 70% family, 30% work. It's part of the design that God gave us. Why? Because people need family. People need family. So one of the things that Buddy and I were sitting down a few weeks ago, we were talking about some youth stuff and talking about the church, and the Lord just started opening up this to us and opening it up to us. These are things that I've known, but look at that. How many, how many people have wondered, like, how come, like, we got the real deal, like, God's healing, delivering, all that. How many people have wondered, like, why aren't people, more people coming? Well, now you see those four, those top four reasons why they come, and you can understand it. Their reason for coming is they're already, most of the people that are here, you were already born again and hungry. 
Most people that are here, you were already born again, but you knew you needed to yield to the Lord to go to a higher level. That's, that's the reason most people are here that are sitting here on a regular basis. But when guests come in, they're either coming for a solution, and as soon as that solution is had, as soon as that solution is had, they'll, they'll go. We've watched it over the years. I'm, I'm amazed at how many people will get what they need, and then they'll jet. I'm amazed at it. But then you'll, you'll see that, that people, they just want to come and see, like, what's that, what's that church about? And they'll come one time, and then they'll go away. So you can see why people wouldn't. It, it doesn't logically, and if somebody's moving by logic and moving by the flesh, it makes sense why they would not stay. It's logical why they wouldn't stay. But does that take away our responsibility to grow the body of Christ and to, and to win souls and make disciples? So if God's told us in 2022 to win souls and make disciples as the commandment in the Great Commission, there's got to be a way that we can do that. There's got to be a way. And this is what the Lord laid out. He said, here's how you do it. People have to have family. Family will keep people. And I'm not talking about false family or marketed family. I'm talking about real family that will be there for them even if they never come to our church. Even if they never come and attend, they have found a place where a family of God will love on them, serve them, be a part of their life. And we have to become invite-minded in the sense of... See, here's the thing, though. Is it okay, if we're trying to establish family, is it okay just to invite them to Sunday morning service? If they come to Sunday morning service, they're probably not going to make it. Because we're not a fake church. And we're in a society where... We're in a society where they're taught, don't go to that, that makes me uncomfortable. We're in that society... So if they just come, unless they're hungry or humble or need a solution, they're not going to make it generally just by coming to Sunday service. But what will hold them there is if they feel like the people that are surrounding them are family. So, But we can't compromise the service on Sunday morning away from the culture of power. So how can, we, how can we have a culture of power and not compromise it and still build and grow family? Well, life groups, of course, is one of those places. But what's, what's generally the pattern of a life group? Generally, everybody will come in, everybody will be excited, and it'll be fun and everything. And then all of a sudden, there's like a core group of people that comes to the life group, and that becomes your family. And then it's like, if anybody else comes in, inside of that family, then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> so nice to have you. Right? So we can't have that, we can't have that thought process. Our thought process says our commission from the Lord is to build and grow family, not have our little click and hold people out. We've got to be invite-minded. Like, we need new growth. We need new people. Do you understand that every life group, do you understand that every life group should on a regular basis grow to the place where it has to split? Every one of them. Every one of them. Everyone should grow. That means you're going to build all these relationships and then half of them are going to have to go somewhere else. 
that's actually good. It's a part of the process. You'll still have interaction, but don't dread it. But life groups in itself is not everything. We have to have moments where we get to go and have fun, and it's not all preachy-teachy. Okay, I like that. It's not all preachy-teachy. And so one of the things that you're going to see this year, we've already talked about it, is you're going to see events where we just go have fun. But we become invite-minded. In other words, it kind of goes like this. Let's say we go to the baseball game, and you call the family that you know, and you say, hey, I've got four extra tickets. In other words, you say, I'm, I'm going to pay for your whole family to come. Just come and hang out. We're going with our church group. We're going to go watch the baseball game. Come hang out with us. And while we're at there, we're not, we're not, I mean, it may happen, but we're not trying to get them all healed and slain in the spirit in the middle of the stands at the baseball game. <laughs> the whole purpose is to have family. Let the family, let the family be seen. This is one of the most loving churches I've ever been in and been a part of in my life. I love you guys, and I love watching that. I love it when, we, I love it when we're doing the announcements and welcoming everybody, and we've got to call you back to your seat because everybody's like, oh, it's so good to see you, and, and it's real. It's real. I love that. But people need to feel that outside of these doors because they'll only come here if they're really hungry. They'll only stay here if they're really hungry. And this is not designed to stay at this level. We've got to become invite-minded. So we're going to have events. But you've got to say, you know what? This is the place where I invite people that might be uncomfortable on Sunday morning. But we're going to show them the family that they have, whether they know it or not. We're not going to preach to them. We're not going to tell them how they're making wrong confessions. You know, we're not going to tell them, like, take care. No, I don't take care. I cast my cares on the Lord. They don't know that yet. Stop correcting them. You ain't the Holy Ghost. You correct yourself. Show them family. Somebody that will love them and support them. And even though they may drop a cuss word, like you don't flip them. Ah! Don't, you know. Okay, you still got some world in you. I was kind of expecting that. It's okay. I mean, y'all seen church people, they're like, oh, I can't believe she's that. Meanwhile, they're at the ABC store the next night. That's the truth. But we're judging them because they use the word care. Let them see family for real. A support system. A people that love them and want to be around them. And understand that people that will come to those events... They may never come to church on Sunday, and that's okay. But there'll be some people that that's what they're looking for. I need a family. I need a family. Especially in these days where everybody has been forced to be separated. Like people are looking for. They need interaction with people more than ever. And listen, when you're carrying a culture of power, there's the power of God's love in you to be that family like they've never seen before. A culture of power is necessary in a church. But in order for people to become a culture of power, they have to have a family. And so we're going to create events specifically just to love on people and to serve our community, believing 
that we can help lead them to the things of God. And it'll be great and it'll be awesome. But you have to be invite-minded. We have to be invite-minded. You can't just come to these events and enjoy your existing family. You have to go to these events and bring potential family. And what are we doing? We're actually fulfilling, we're, we're taking the wisdom of God to fulfill the Great Commission in this time that's been so uh, weighted away from a real church to help them see those things, to help them walk out. Because the issue is they might be coming for family, but then a few years down the road it's when they get that doctor report and then it's too late to establish a power of culture then. You're serving them with family before they need an absolute power. We're seeing ahead of time. Lord, I know every single one of us in here at some point is going to need a culture of power. And we're seeing that ahead of time in the command of the Lord. Lord, I won't be slothful. I won't be lazy. But I will follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Lord, I won't be slothful, but I'm going to do my job to help build family today so that when the people come around, let's say they go to two or three events, and all of a sudden they're like, you know those people, I thought they were crazy. But they're not as crazy as what I thought. They're, they're not as crazy as what I thought. They're actually really nice and they love me. And all of a sudden they come and, and they're able to step over that line of their comfort and move into a culture of heaven on earth, a culture of power. And then what happens when they move into that culture of power? They move into that culture of power and the things that they've been looking for, the things that they've needed. They needed provision in their lives. They needed healing in their lives. They, need, you know, they needed to be used by God. But in, they couldn't be used by God the way that they should because they weren't walking in the Holy Spirit to be His witness. And then they get in front of Jesus and, and He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. And they go, Oh, praise God. I was in a culture of power because they accepted me as their family. Praise God, I was healed from that disease because they carried a culture of power when I didn't even know I needed it. Praise God, my family can pay all their bills and we can give and do a great things out of our abundance because that church carried a culture of power and they, they sought the Lord on wisdom. How do they reach me when I was unreachable? Praise God, Jesus led that church to do that. Today we're expecting great power to flow through every life. And if you want to be and you want to jump into a culture of power, you want to carry more power to be the witness of God. If that's you, I want you to come up. But I want us to understand that all of that begins in our fellowship and relationship with God. Every bit of it. Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. I can't do this without you. I need you. I need you more than I need my comfort. I need you more than, than I need my brain and my logic and all the boxes checked. Lord, I need you. If that's you today, I just want you to bow your heads right now. Lord, right now. Lord, I need you. I need solutions in my life. Maybe you're sitting there and you just need the solutions of God to come in. You need, you need wisdom. 
If you need one of these things, I want you to just raise your hand. Lord, I need wisdom. Amen, I see those lots. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your power. I need healing in my body today. Lord, I need a touch from you. I need my fellowship and my relationship to be on a different level. Lord, I need help in my home. I need help with my kids. There's things I don't know how to handle this or how to point them. Lord, I need powerful from heaven wisdom and advice. Lord, I need your help. I need finances, Lord. Lord, I need a breakthrough in my finances. The Lord says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God wants to prosper you. Lord, whatever it is, just categorize it all together. Lord, I need need help and I need solutions. If that's you, raise your hand in any area. I need help today. Thank you, Father. I want us all just to pray this, and after I pray, if you want me to pray for you and lay hands on you and that power of God, that culture of power to be released into your life, if that's you, after we pray, I want you to come up and let me pray for you quickly. Just lay hands on you, like the Word says. But I want all of us to pray this right now. Just pray this out loud with your mouth. Say, Jesus, today, you are the Lord of my life. You have the rule and the reign. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. You're the Lord of my life. And I believe that you died for me. You took every one of my sins, my problems, and you took it on you to the cross and the grave. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And when He did, He cut every tie that would hold me down. He brought about every solution that I would ever need by His resurrection power. And today, Lord, I receive salvation. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. You saved me from lack, from sickness, from all the problems through the power of Christ. I receive your wisdom. And Jesus, I ask you, fill me with the Holy Spirit and fire to be your witness in this world. To carry with me a culture of power in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed for a second. If you needed to pray and receive that today, will you just show me? I want to pray for you. I needed to pray that today. Lord, I needed that help today. Who is that? Amen. Glory to God. Father, right now I just pray for every person that raised their hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to continue praying for every person that did. If you would like prayer and you want to come up right now, I want to pray for each person. Lord, Lord, there's something specific, and you're believing for it today. If that's you, come up now to receive that culture of power, healing, to receive help, wisdom, His glory, all of His goodness. If there's a part of His goodness, you feel like I need more in this area right now, come up now. 
Lord, everybody that raised their hand, I just pray, let them be strengthened with all your might, all of your goodness, all of your goodness, and all of your might right now. Lord, let it be real. Let it be whole. Let it be overflowing. Lord, let it not go backwards. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. If you're not up here yet, but you feel you need to come up, you come right on up. Thank you, Lord. When I lay hands on you, when I lay hands on you, you receive that solution right then. Don't wait. Lord, and you can say it with me right now. Lord, when he lays his hands on me, I receive them as you, Jesus, working through him. And if I have a touch from you, I have everything I need. It's working out now. I'm moving up. I receive your power and your love in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Yeah, real solutions in Jesus' name. Solutions. Yeah, yeah, that anointing from top of her head to the soles of her feet. Bringing every solution now in Jesus' name. There's that anointing right now. And listen, you feel that anointing? Do you feel that? You do? Understand God doesn't give half measures. Everything you're asking for is being poured into you right now. You got it right now. Say it with me. Say, Lord, I have it. I don't have a part of it. I've got all of my solution right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, I have it. You're not waiting on it anymore. You have it right now. You have it now. You have it now. Hey, hey, Soma, you feel that anointing? I feel it shooting out my hand. You feel it? <laughs> you got it all. He doesn't give half measures. In Jesus' name. Soprema corbeni, hakome opremi, sobrara opromo, hoponini kosevedi. Understand too, I can't make that feeling come on her, but the Lord can. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. A culture of power. A culture of power. In the name of Jesus. A culture of power. Yeah. Anointing of God. Come on her now. The fire of God. The fire of God. A culture of power. In Jesus' name. Yeah, we receive it now. Just receive that anointing now. I see his anointing shaking up every part of your life. You heard that message last week, all week. A shaking. I see that anointing shaking your life. Lord, overflow him with your fire in the name of Jesus. An all-consuming fire in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm telling you right now, He's calling you to a culture of power. That you'll carry it, you'll walk in it, in Jesus' name. 
Don't get in pride over it, but those things will start to work in you now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. A culture of power. A culture of power. Don't make it weird. Hold them up. Pick them up. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. Just carry it. You don't have to make it weird. Just carry it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hadamoso, a culture of power in the name of Jesus. A lot of times, that word is for everybody. Don't make a culture of power weird. A lot of times, when people move into a culture of power, they feel like they got to you know, speak strange things and talk about real big, deep, heavenly, spiritual things. The most powerful people I've met, they can just speak plainly and simply. And the power flows in Jesus' name. You don't have to explain everything. Just carry it. Carry that culture of power in the name of Jesus. Somra from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Overflow with the power of God. New, released, and manifested power in Jesus' name. Filler, overflower, baptizer in your fire in Jesus' name. Yeah, new levels of your power in Jesus' name. New wisdom. Oh, glory to God. New wisdom. I see it. New wisdom, like almost new pathways of your brain functioning and flowing. Lord, clear it up, clear it out, and let it be all you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Real, real anointing for you today. I have it, just like what I spoke to Lisa earlier. God doesn't give in half measures. Hey, say, Lord, I have it now. I have your anointing now to break every yoke. Thank you, Father. I have it now. Yeah, just receive that. I have it now. I'll be right back. Thank you, Lord, for continuing the work. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Body, Lord, you don't give half measures. Anointing, function and manifest fully now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive it. Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, anointing, heal and make whole that body in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hello, I'm Brian. What's your first name? Danielle, nice to meet you. Can I pray for you? That'd be all right. Lord, right now, we just thank you. Lord, let your spirit fill and overflow her. Let your goodness move into her life like never before. Lord, let your power 
and a culture of power. Visit her home, visit her children, visit her in every way in Jesus' name. Bring about solutions and wholeness. Let peace of mind be. We thank you for it. We praise you. Now all of that weight that's been trying to get her to carry it. Lord, let every bit of that weight, let it be cast off. Let her be so free and so overflowing with your goodness and your power. Let it be so strong. Lord, thank you. Let her, let her mind be eased and be so good. Be so much at peace. Lord, guard her, her thoughts. Lord, help guard her heart in every way in Jesus' name. Lord, give her strength and wisdom to help in everything. Thank you, Father, for your overflow. Thank you for that helping hand now. Thank you for your helping hand in her life now. In Jesus' name. Can I pray for you? What's your name? Kaylin, nice to meet you. Lord, let your blessing and your protection be right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for watching over Kaylin in every way. And let your goodness and your power be felt in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I pray for you too? <laughs> you came back right on time. What's your name? McKinley. So nice to meet you. Lord, let your blessing be in Jesus' name. Your protection, your wholeness, and your grace in every way. Blessing of God be in fullness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for working things out. Thank you, Father, for working things out. More. In Jesus' name. It's so good to see y'all again. You doing good? Doing good. Good to see y'all. Amen. Blessing be in Jesus' name. Overflow be in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Lord, let your power be seen and realized, holding nothing back in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. Put your hand right here on your heart. Both of them. Lord, let your anointing do it right now. I saw his anointing like shooting straight into your heart. And helping in so many different ways. His anointing shooting straight in. Like, uh, like what I saw in the Spirit was like a lightning bolt of His power shooting straight into your heart to help in so many different ways and so many different things. In the name of Jesus. Now, I know I'm not speaking by word of uh, knowledge here, okay? <laughs> but when those thoughts come up, you've got to reject them. <laughs> okay? Stop it. <laughs> Stop. But he told me to tell you. He told me to tell you, okay? Yeah. You go there, not the other place. Okay? Good job. Go to the joy. Put your hand on your tummy. 
in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I ask you, baptize me in a culture of power from the top of my head through every part of my being. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Put your hands on your heart. Same way. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your help and a culture of power. It's time for you to walk in a culture of power like you've longed to, like you've desired to. Now get out of your logic and get into faith as a child and watch the kingdom come in you, on you, and around you, and through you in Jesus' name. It'll take your yielding to Him. Lord, I yield to you. Say that with me. Say, Lord, I yield to you. I yield to you. Not just in logic. I yield my full being to you in every area of life in Jesus' name. Now you watch it. You watch it. He's going to say, okay, now give me this. Now do this. This is not how you normally do it, but I want you to do it. He'll show you those things by the Holy Ghost. And as you do it, that culture of power will flow through you. Watch it. Watch it from this day forward. In the name of Jesus. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Just say this with me right now. Say, Lord, I receive your anointing. I receive it. I yield to it. I yield to it. Now just receive that right now. Now yielding is an interesting thing. <laughs> not, I understand not been the normal in times past all the time. Sometimes, yeah. Lord, I yield to you. Now you see that same anointing that caused you to laugh like that. That's that same one from the other night. It's, same, yeah, it's the same. <laughs> that, that's not just, like you don't just do that. Like you're not the dude that just sits in your truck as you're going down the road laughing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Recently maybe, but by yourself, without him and without his joy. You know what I mean? That's him. So I want you to see it's more, and we're going to pray, but it's more than just a laugh. That's the joy of the Lord. That's his anointing, the oil of gladness. It's coming. It's on you. It's coming to help you and continue. Thank you, Lord. So I thought kind of an oil of joy. In Jesus' name. Open it. There. Yeah. See that? I felt it right as you started to laugh. I felt it shooting out my hand. Right? He's all right. You just receive. 
Thank you, Lord. All right. Now let's pray right now. You ready? What are we praying for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want prayer? Amen. Can I hug you? Can you come here? He'll run up to me and hold me and love Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing flowing through this boy. Thank you for your protection and your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your culture of power in every way. Lord, thank you for a heart that wants your prayer. Like a child, let your kingdom come to him. Let your kingdom come to him in Jesus' name. Let your kingdom come to him. Let him be a light. Let him be a light wherever he goes. Let him be a light. Give mom and dad wisdom. Give them overflow to help raise him in the place where he needs to go. Lord, let your kingdom come to him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. What a great smile. <laughs> I love you. Sanda Koparadani, Manamoso, Barahara, Ariatani, Kapo Rebe Menus, Tavaha, Bumper Kennedy. I just got vision of what the devil has tried to do and how badly it has failed. <laughs> How badly it is falling apart at the seams. Glory to God. He who sits in the heavens laughs in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just raise your hands. Just say this with me. Say, Lord, I receive your power, your love made manifest in me and my life in Jesus' name. Just receive that anointing right now. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. I got to stand taller when I stand in front of you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I see that. Thank you, Father. Now, I want you to see something. You are called to be a great leader in the kingdom of God. Now, what's been holding you back has been a false look at yourself that's been put on you by others and even accepted and received by yourself in times past. But the time for that is over. God's calling you up. He's calling you to be the daughter of God. A daughter of the Lord. With great calling on her life and a great anointing as a leader in the kingdom of God. You are not shy of what it takes to be used by Him. You are not shy of that. You are great and mighty in His eyes. And He has made you able and adequate in the name. Of Jesus. New power in Jesus' name. Now stop looking with those old eyes. Now stop looking in Jesus' name. Stop looking with those old eyes. Yeah, real power and healing come now in Jesus' name. Now 
Now it's time for you to stop coming up and getting a Holy Ghost fix and apply what you've been receiving. You've been receiving the anointing that will empower you to say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Don't just rely on somebody else's power. He's given it to you. Now receive it. Walk in it. New day today. Say it with me. It's a new day. It's a new day. Today. today. In Jesus' name. I have it. I'm not letting go of it. I'm not letting go of it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, right now, every deception that stood in the way, every foggy place that stood in the way of true clarity and vision, be removed now in Jesus' name. Let her see what you want her to see and what you're calling her to and not be held back in the name of Jesus. Yeah, overflow, 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 overflow. A, a culture of power, a culture of power. Raise your hands. Lord, I receive. Say it with me. Lord, I receive everything you have for me in Jesus' name. And I'll walk with it. And I'll walk with you in the name of Jesus. Now, according to times past, there's been lots of thoughts that you've corrected over the years, especially since you've come here. Since you came here, your whole way of thinking has changed so drastically over the years. But now it's time to recognize that that old person is not who I am. I have my identity in Christ and I don't have to be bound by the thoughts of the past. Not only that, but there's a culture of power coming in now. I'm not bound to the identity of my mom and dad. I'm not bound to the identity of my brothers and sisters, my siblings. I'm not bound by the identity of where I have worked or what I have done. No, God's identity in me as a child of the King, as a child of God, has brought about a new inheritance and a new identity, and I will never be the same, and I won't be locked up by thoughts from the past. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you. And this day, and this day, an anointing will come on and a power, a new power in Jesus' name. A new power in Jesus' name that I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Say it with me. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Even when you pray, it won't be that you keep relying on other people's power. No, but even when you pray, there's a power that will come out of you that will be great and mighty. In Jesus' name. You see, you don't have to rely on the things that protected you in the past. <laughs> Ways of thinking, habits. You don't have to rely and protect yourself. No, the culture of power, the culture of His glory will shield all of that and every fiery dart. The culture will shield you, protect you, guide you, strengthen you, and deliver you 
into the heart of the enemy by the power of God. You will be a piercing arrow into the heart of darkness and you will see people delivered. You will see the power of God release them and break addiction even by your hands. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now don't let her fall. Get two people here. One on each side. I know she, one can handle her. <laughs> Go ahead and grab her. Grab her arms now. Bani atarara. Hold her up. Guys, there you go. Sovranamoso. Vani atakarama. Lord, I receive everything you have for me. Say that with me. Lord, I receive everything you have for me by your anointing that's helping, that's working out. Thank you, Father, for your anointing. Amen. All right, now you, there you go. A culture of power. A culture of power. Now don't revert back. I keep seeing this for multiple people. Don't revert back to an, an old thinking when a new thinking has come. You don't have to protect yourself with thoughts from the past. You don't have to protect yourself with habits from the past. The old way of thinking was not what got you here. The old way of thinking is what held you back. The new way of thinking in the power of God, His love and mercy and grace will help and show you how to run that race. Now, give yourself to that new way of thinking and receive that culture of power for you today in Jesus' name. Many times we have to get out of our head. We, you know, the thing is we'll take our old thinking into a new path and then we think that that's still going to work. But it was, that was the world's way of thinking, not God's way of thinking. You've got to be willing to, to shut down some of those old ways that like protect you. Well, I don't want to go and invite this person because they might hurt me. Let God, if they hurt you, God will protect you, right? You don't have to protect yourself in that way. God will protect you. He's the one anointed to protect you. Amen. Come here, Miss Chris. We can't have you come down here and not get prayer. Just, just lift your hands. Just say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I receive. I am yours. I yield to you. Lord, I receive your culture of power that I carry it with me everywhere I go because I am your child and I have a right to an inheritance of resurrection power a culture of power on the inside of me. Also put your hand on your belly. An inheritance in every believer. And I receive the full manifestation. Say it with me. I receive the full manifestation of my inheritance of power today. Now raise your hands. Now, Lord, fill her and overflow her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. In Jesus' name. 
Bana o prehe kosadado. Roma do so so. Huso. Roma so prekade. Hey, say the kamo. Banyatono. Banyatono. So many. A culture of power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, obviously, today was not a 12 o'clock day. But did you learn something? Amen. Did you learn something? Did it help you? Amen. Glory to God. Do you see our need to carry a culture of power? And it doesn't need to be something that appeases to the flesh. It needs to be something that overflows us. So fadano motavana visumle opa yaoyon karavandi intene in the name of Jesus. Bape paroma so kofini hakoto paroma so pani adamos bo bonoboto propasi tidin de karabos. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss real quick. We're going to let people use the bathroom, grab their kids. And then come back in here real quick. It will not take long. I will not allow it to be long. But I do want to talk to the normal attenders. And uh, if you're a guest, especially today, we want to be able to dismiss you. Let everybody use the bathroom. So if you'll, whoever's wrapping that up. So, amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for your help, for your supernatural assistance. Lord, I thank you that we are a church that has a culture of power. I thank you, Father, that we carry it, we live in it, we abide in it, and I thank you that we take it with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Couple quick announcements. Youth is today at 4 p.m. here at the church. So if you're in grades 6 through 12, make sure that you are here. Life groups are back this week. If you are not part of a life group, if you're a life group leader, put your hands up real quick as one is like walking by the keyboard. We have lots of life groups. Make sure that you get plugged in. You need to be plugged into a life group in order to walk out this full culture of power that pastor's talking about. And then giving statements, they've either been handed, emailed, or regular mailed to you. Probably not regular mailed um, if you're here at Boomerang. Um, there is a way for you to access them on Tithely with instructions that are on the kiosk. So if you need those for your taxes, go grab them. And if you would like more teaching like this throughout the week, every single weekday, we do a daily broadcast where we preach and teach the Word of God. You can find out more information on whatsright.com. But for those of you who have kiddos, go grab them right now and come back in. Hurry, hurry, and go to the bathroom real fast if you need to. Otherwise, please hold down your seat. Good job.